This episode of the Scrub Zone Cycling Podcast is brought to you by Trouble North Company. Trouble North is an American streetwear brand advocating for equality amongst athletes, especially for women. Um, you can check them out on troublenorth.com and use our discount code SCRUBZONE, all caps, no spaces, for 20% off on your next delivery. Enjoy. Um, I'm with my co-host, Nolan, Nolan Guerin. Um, and today we interview Ben Wolf, um, esteemed rider for Jelly Belly Cycling, um, probably known throughout New England and everywhere else for just being a fucking monster. Yeah, he can take a he can take a pretty hard pull. Um, a lot of us, you know, raced with him as juniors. We saw him growing up around the uh, scene, and he's really just kind of taken this really kind of pivotal role as one of you know, Jelly Belly's signature riders, I think, at this point. That's true, and I think if you're a local rider that has raced with him um, here or there, I think you've probably had the privilege of not pulling through for him because <laughs> of how hard it is to ride with him. Um, so yeah, that's coming up. Welcome to the Scrub Zone Cycling Podcast. This is Carlo Kicho, and I'm with my single co-host today, Nolan Garon. We have a very special guest this week, uh, the one and only Ben Wolf, one of the uh, original Watt fucks out there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, welcome to the Scrub Zone Thank you. Cycling Podcast. All it's... right. So Ben, you grew up uh, racing. You're from Connecticut, right? So what was the first team you started racing for, and how did you really get into racing to begin with? So when I was actually in uh, probably seventh grade, sixth or seventh grade, the science teacher at the middle school I went to ran like a bike club on Wednesdays. And it was just mountain bike around like the local trails around the school for like an hour after school. And me and probably five or six buddies would go every week. And uh, I guess she thought that the six of us were taking it pretty seriously. I mean, we would, like, ride bikes to school. And ever since I was much younger, I rode bikes all around town just because it was the freedom of not having your parents drive you, and you could kind of get away with things. Um, so she thought we were pretty serious. So she uh, offered to take us to a mountain bike race one of like the Route 66 series. I don't know what it's called nowadays. I think yeah. it's still Route 66. <clears throat> yeah, um, I think until this year it was still Route 66. I'm not sure what's going on with it this year. I know the owners of the series kind of stepped back a little bit, but so that's where you started. Yeah. Yeah. So she took us there, and then I uh, and she like I distinctly remember her telling me I had to take it seriously because she was wasting or not wasting, but giving up one of her Saturday afternoons to take us to this bike race. And apparently she didn't think I was very serious with anything I did. <laughs> um, and I ended up actually getting second in like a two up sprint. And it was because my pedal fell off in the sprint. So that I couldn't, <laughs> it was, you know, it was me trying to work on my own bike. And I just cross threaded when I put the new like, uh, clip in mm -hmm. pedals on the bike. So after that, I kind of got hooked. And then actually the race course that we're doing this weekend, the Bumble Kermes North Stonington, was uh, 
the first road race I did, and my buddy's dad, who was a racer, was like, oh, there's a road race happening today. Let's go just watch. So he took me and two of my buddies to the race course. We brought our bikes so we could ride around and watch the race in various places. And then uh, we were taking the bikes out of the car. He came back, and he was like, oh, by the way, I just signed you guys up for the junior race. Your race starts in 20 minutes. So we put on like the first road race I'd ever done. I had no idea what to expect. Uh, and that was back when junior racing is starting to get bigger now, but it had that lull for a while. But back in 2008, probably, it was huge. And we like lined up with like Luke Keogh and all these guys who were older and, you know, the studs of, you know, like Gavin Mannion was there, I think, like the whole Hot Tubes team. And uh, we raced. It was, I was short. I don't even remember that much of it. Uh, I think I just like blacked out in the start line and then somehow ended up third. Um, and then I had like, we won $20 and all we had one racing mountain bikes was like a bike pump and tires. <laughs> but so, I, so I won money and I was like, wow, this is way cooler than winning like crap that we already have. So, so your then, first um, race was Brumble? Your first road race well, was Brumble? We, no, I, well, it used to be called just the North Stonington Road Race. Oh. Um, and then I think Amos took the course and is using it this year. Because like 2008, I think, was the last year it happened as the North Stonington Road Race. And then I think he's bringing it back to that course, which honestly is, I think, way better than the course that he used last year. Um, just mainly because I'm looking for a hard course that people can't sit in on. Yeah. The course <laughs> last year sense. was flat. Yeah. It was, I mean, it would have been great if it was really windy, but it wasn't that windy either. Right. So it was kind of just like, it was just a long integrate, um, <laughs> which is, which is fun, except when there's no place to try to break apart the race. So I'm, I'm kind of excited that he's bringing back the North Stonington course, because I think it's, I don't think it's like super ridiculously hard. But I think it's hard enough to where people won't be able to just sit in and they'll have to race their bikes, which is going to be the fun part. I know probably, then, a lot yeah. of, probably a lot of people are looking out for you tomorrow, but is there anyone you're looking out for tomorrow or <laughs> I mean Saturday? Um, actually, I haven't looked at who's signed up yet, um, but I think the general way I'm going to race, because uh, CCB shows up with, guys usually oh yeah yeah so if if more than two or three of them are up in a move then i should probably try to go across to it um but other than that there's really i mean i kind of just want to race the my own race and kind of see what what goes down i mean i feel exponentially better as the training days go on and get harder um Cause you've been recovering from something a couple months ago, right? You were off the bike yeah, for so, a bit. Yeah. I got a blood clot in, uh, last July and it was really not a good thing. Um, cause I didn't know that it was a blood clot and I kept racing nope. cascade with it. Oh geez. And then I stopped after the fourth stage because my leg was like so swollen. I couldn't put pants on Oh my! and I couldn't like unclip my pedal or anything after the crit. And I was like, Hey, can we uh, go to the hospital? Just check this thing out. And it was funny because the night before we had all gone downtown to eat food and I had, you know, Birkenstocks and compression socks on. And my <laughs> team director was giving me shit. He was like, oh, what, you don't want to get a DVT on your way to town? Because apparently I well, didn't look stylish. <laughs> and then the next 
day I went to the hospital and I had a DVT blood clot that ran pretty much my entire left leg. Oh, jeez. Oh, um, they kind of were like, when I was at the hospital, I was kind of making jokes because I didn't think it was serious as with like, cause I broke my pelvis in 2016 and they were like, Oh, you'll be off the bike for two or three months. And I was like, okay, cool. You got three weeks and then I'm getting back on type thing. Uh-huh. And I kind of stuck to that. It was pretty much three weeks off the bike. And they told me they knew I was going to be a pain in the ass with it. So they were like, you know, when you can ride your bike with no pain, then you can start training again. So I just went to Walmart and bought like a super padded seat and just started riding again after three weeks. <laughs> but then with the blood clot, they were like, they were like, yeah, so your uh, season's done. And I was like, okay, cool. So I like get to Miss Tour Utah and then I'll be back for like Colorado. And they're like, no, you're like six months done. And I was like, no, it can't be that serious of a thing. And they were kind of like, look, if you had waited like 24 more hours, you probably wouldn't be laying on this bed. You'd probably be like not moving. Holy shit. Jeez. Um, cause it was just so big and I kept like, it literally was my entire left leg, like mid, like hamstring all the way down to my ankle. Um, and they were just kind of like, you know, you're doing every, like, cause I was, I thought it was like a pulled muscle, honestly. So like I was getting massage, I was using like Norman tech boots. I was racing with your heart rate at like 180, everything possible to try to break it off. Yeah. Um, so that was a little bit of a scare that kind of set me. Uh, like kind of gave me a different mentality towards bike riding. Um, Cause before I was not, I wouldn't say I was taking it for granted, but I was kind of just going through the motions of it. Um, like after tour of California, I was pretty stoked with how the season was going. And it was just, and then I was kind of starting to crack a little bit at cascade just on bike riding. So, and then after I had this blood clot thing and, you know, nearly dying from it, they were kind of like, I, had to spend like two months off the bike and then there, and then I kind of got a new outlook on, uh, on just bike riding in general and not taking it for granted. And it was kind of a good thing. And at the same time, it's, um, it was frustrating because I came coming back from that was like, while I was on the blood thinners, I couldn't really train. And I was on blood thinners for about six and a half months <clears throat> just cause you're, Every time I stood up on the blood thinners, I got a head rush and there was just nothing pleasant about it. Like, I really hope no one that I know has to go through that. Um, so after that, it was like, you know, right around new year's is when I could start training again. And I was, you know, down in South Carolina where I go every winter and like the spring series was starting up and my mind was like, all right, I'm going to start training hard and like racing hard and my legs we're like, yeah, no, no, you're not. How long did so it take path- you to feel like, oh, okay, I think I'm back or close to being back? Honestly, like in the past two weeks, like it's it's been a freaking process. And it's like, it's just brutal because I couldn't train for six and a half months, essentially. Like I was riding a little bit, just not mm-hmm. to gain too much weight. Um, but I wasn't able to do really any higher end efforts without like, passing out off my bike just because the blood thinners weren't, I don't know if my body was not dealing with them well, or if it was a mental thing and I was just like, Oh, I can't go hard because my I'm on blood thinners. But there was also the whole thing that the blood thinners I was on had no reversal agent. So like with most blood thinners, like Humidin and all the other crap, if you crash or something and start bleeding, you just eat, you just have to take like vitamin K. Mm-hmm. 
like you'd have some spinach essentially and you'd clot up. But the blood thinners I was on was Duvalto and it was a new blood thinner and there was no reversal. So if I were to crash, oh. it would pretty much be game over. Wow. So they were like, oh yeah, they were like, you know, ride on the trainer for until you're off the blood thinners. I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> so no I way. like just, you know, tightened down my helmet a little bit more. Um, and, you know, I did crash a few times like mountain biking, which I probably shouldn't have been doing, but I was like, you know, if I'm going to die, I might as well die happily riding a bike, not sitting in the basement. On a <laughs> it's a good way to go. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I figured, um, but I did crash a few times and honestly, it clotted faster. Like it was, it bled for like, you know, two hours, but it wasn't like, and I wasn't going to faint type thing. Right. So yeah, that just took a while to come back from. And then to like, and then I essentially had to like rebuild base once I could start training, which wasn't until really end of December. And then only like I went after team camp is kind of in like end of February is when I started actually doing high end efforts and things started to kind of come around. I did my first race before I went to team camp at the like middle of February. And I like swore my brakes were rubbing and like I was almost getting dropped from riding in the group. And it was like, you know, local training race down South Carolina. And I was like, huh, maybe this is a good thing. Um, so that was, it, it was more like a mental thing having to deal with that for honestly until about two or three weeks ago when things kind of started to come around. Uh, so I'm kind of happy that's for the most part behind me and like everything's starting to feel good. And there was a little bit of vein damage, I guess, just because of, how blood clots work. Um, and it's kind of in the deeper veins, of my calf, which luckily you don't really use much of your calf when you're riding a bike. Um, and it hurts every once in a while, but it's really nothing that stops me from training or riding a bike. Uh, so I don't think there's going to be any long term effects. I mean, my calf still is a little bit swollen I mean, they kind of said the swelling would either go down in like a year or two or never. Hmm. Um, you know, the doctors, I don't think we got along. I don't really get along with many doctors, <laughs> but I, especially these ones, because they were like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. And I was like, yeah, that's not how this is going to work. Like, I'm really going to make you earn your money here. Right. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, there's still another week until Gila, which isn't that much time, but it's, you know, Gila isn't really a Ben Wolf type of race. So, so are you going... Yeah. To Gila to work for a teammate in specific, like I mean, you're working with Jellyville still, correct? Yeah. Yep. You've been. So, I mean. All right. Go ahead. Uh, so you've been with them since 2013, 14. I did it. So I did a year with Jellybelly in 2013, and then I went to Cal Giant uh-huh. for like a development team for two years, and then back to Jellybelly in 2016 when I aged out of uh, under 23s. Okay, so you have a, a track record with them. How do you like working with them as a team? I mean, it's I, I can't say enough good things about you know Danny and Maddie and kind of their the group of them. I mean, a Jelly Belly, the company has been supporting bike racing for I think nineteen years now, um, which is huge. Like that doesn't happen in bike racing. <laughs> you know, no sponsor really sticks with something for that long even though I think cycling is probably the best bang for your buck as far as sponsorship dollar goes. Um, 
that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> I have a lot of time to think about that kind of crap on a bike because you like right now I just have the television on and you know, KT tape actually is ironically on television and they, you know, they probably spend $200,000 on this commercial that airs for 10 seconds on not even primetime television wow. when they could, you know, sponsor a bike team. That's a year round thing. And it gets seen by so many freaking people. Cause we, we all ride our bikes in public roads. So like, you gotta think you got, especially you guys up in Boston, you go out for a ride and you're seen by tens of thousands of people without you even noticing. And not all of them, of course, look and stare at your kit, but you know, they, it, it's kind of one of those things. The more often you see it, it rings a bell with someone. And, uh, in my mind, I mean, I'm definitely biased, but I think a lot more companies could kind of stretch the dollar and bring back cycling to what it was free, not great times for it. Um, but that being said, you know, Jelly Belly has been incredible for the past 19 years. And then, you know, the guys that run our team, Danny and Maddie are, you know, essentially family to me. I mean, they've stuck with me through broken pelvises and blood clots. And, you know, we didn't really know if I could return from the blood clot. The broken pelvis was fine. Um, but, you know, they've really stuck with me and kind of see what I could do. And hopefully I can repay them this year for everything. Um, so, I mean, I love working with the team and it's a lot of fun. It's kind of just, it's nothing really changes as you go, at least in my experiences, as you kind of go through, you know, from cat five on a team till cat one, two, it's all just everyone out there having fun riding a bike. And, you know, no one on the team really has that big of an ego. And we all want to race our bike, which is, there's no, there's no like jaded old guys on the team either. You know, the whole team, the oldest guy on the team is 30. So he still has plenty of life left in his bike racing. So no one's jaded and just doing it for a paycheck, which is, I think, huge on team morale. Yeah, I think that's huge because I think sometimes you just hear of some like, you know, with teams here and there, just like the culture not being too great and stuff. And I think like especially for young riders and stuff, I think that's huge, especially if someone's coming on to a team for the first time or something like that. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that's very cool. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to Gila with the kind of, I mean, I, I honestly don't know what, what my form is going to be, uh, based on, you know, if bike racing was based on power numbers, it could potentially go really well, but there's so many other aspects of bike racing that power numbers is, you know, 10% of it. Um, it's probably more than that, but I like to think it's only 10%. Um, so who knows? I mean, I'm going to go there and I'm going to go for, you know, a stage win or two, especially in the time trial is kind of one of the targets, but I don't, there's no way that I'd be up there in the overall just because it finishes on some mountaintops. Um, and it's at an altitude and I currently live about 36 feet above <laughs> sea level. Do you, so, I mean, do you like go racing Gila? I, I've had, I've had good times and bad times at Gila. The first year time I ever did Gila was when I was on Cal Giant and I was racing with the national team in Europe and they called and were like, Oh, actually we want you at Gila in a week. So I literally flew from racing in 
Holland, like below sea level, essentially, to Gila on like a transatlantic flight. Oh god! <laughs> and had it was just miserable. Like I, you know, after the I literally like just pulled out in the crit and was like, I can't do this crap anymore. Um, and then the next year I went back and we won the overall with Lachlan mm-hmm. and that was awesome. You know, I, I think having someone like Lachlan on the team that year gave us all an extra few percent, especially knowing that like if, if we rode as hard as we could for him, he would come through. Um, and that's, I mean, that's a huge part of the, of bike racing, right. Is like kind of believing in team leader. And that's part of being a team leader is like realizing that you're going to have six or seven guys going flat out for you. So it doesn't matter if you have good legs, bad legs, or you're on a good day or a shit day, you kind of have to come through or at least give it everything you have and be totally plastered when you finish the race or else everyone kind of loses (laughs) the drive to ride for you. And, you know, Lachlan, regardless of how his form was or how he was feeling, he never said anything negative and he was always positive about it. And so Hilo that year, he won the first stage and I distinctly remember Chris Jones of United healthcare coming up to us as we were riding on the second stage and the second stage isn't, it's a hard loop. It's like called the inner loop and it starts pretty much going straight uphill for the first hour. And then you get into the Valley and the Valley is always hard. And then it finishes kind of on the rolling kind of finish for the last 20 or 30 K. And so we started riding almost immediately. Like we got out of their neutral zone and people who were attacking us trying to, you know, take the lead. And we pretty much went to the gun, like just started riding. And after the first hour, it's this pretty gnarly descent. And I remember Chris Jones came up to me on the descent and said something along the lines of like, are you guys really going to try to ride the whole race? And I kind of looked back at him and I was like, of course, like (laughs) we have the, we have the race lead. And he kind of made some like smug comment. And I looked at him and I was like, you know what? I'll give you one jelly bean for every pedal stroke you help with us. And he kind of like looked at me and just went back and never said another word. <laughs> um, and I, I really do like Chris, just that comment kind of, I think gave us the motivation to, you know, we, we controlled the race for six days and never really were in, we never were stressed about anything. And we, a lot of the times we'd only use three guys for the first, 100k of each stage so that we had plenty of guys left um so that was an incredible year at gila and then chad uh, last year was chad dying off on the stage the last stage and it just you know that kind of that threw a wrench into the whole like my mindset on that race and i'm you know i'm happy to go back this year and race because i want to race my bike but there's no doubt that that's going to be on everyone's mind mm-hmm. yeah i know <clears throat> i know the gila monster people have said things about that stage before and how it it tends to be a fairly dangerous stage there there tend to be a lot of crashes that day um how does like your mindset going back into a stage like that happen like it seems I, like I a mean, hard it's thing it's hard yeah it's, it's hard to tell how the mindset's going to be like the perfect example i have is actually uh, when we were, when I was under 23 and I was riding on the national team, we did this race in Portugal and the year before one of my good, good friends, Colin Joyce on this stage, it, it was this crazy finish. Like you're on a highway for 20 K and then you turned off this highway 
and you went down like a 3K single lane descent with switchbacks over a single lane bridge, and then the finish was like 300 meters after the bridge. So it was like, it was a descent that you'd never see in American bike racing because it's super dangerous. And the, and in 2014, probably, I think Colin was going for the win and he got taken out on the descent and ended up breaking his leg in like four places. Oh, geez. <clears throat> so the next year we go back to this race and um, we tried to protest that race finish. And they were just like, oh, you guys are Americans. You're weak. You know, like, this is not a dangerous race, all that kind of crap. And we're like, all right, whatever. And we went to the stage and we were like, Colin, you want to go for this again? Like last year, <laughs> it wasn't great for you, but do you want? And he is like, I'm in. He went in and he got second or third on the stage or something. And when I crossed the finish line a few minutes later, he was like in tears because he came back from a race that nearly ended his season and then got third on it. So it's all like, it's all mindset. So going into that stage, you know, at Gila, I think a lot of us will be a little more cautious, but we're still going to you know, race as hard as we can. Cause that's why we're there. You know, if you're going to travel across the country and spend so much time training and all that and away from home, you're going to give, you know, a hundred percent of what you can every day. Did you know Chad pretty well? Yeah, we grew up racing together. You know, I wouldn't say we were like best friends, but we were very, we were, we were close because we grew up racing in New England together. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, he was always, he was always the guy that you'd see and he'd, he'd make you laugh. Like I remember the start of that stage where him and I started in the back of the group and then during the neutral zone, I was like, man, this race is freaking hard. And it, you know, cause it's, it is hard. <laughs> it's, it's bike racing. There's no such thing as an easy bike race. And, um, he looked at me and was like, man, I think I got to lose some weight cause I'm not climbing as well as I should be. <laughs> and then that was, the, that was like, you know, when I laughed at that and then racing was on and, uh, he made the break and I pretty much was off the back in the first probably 20 K and had to catch back on through the cars. Um, so, I mean, we, we did a ton of local racing was juniors and U 23s together and he was definitely a friendly face in the group for sure. So, I mean, he was so like a, you know, he has been good and bad. Um, I'm kind of hoping it's good this year. <laughs> yeah. So as cool as all this big boy stuff is going on, as you know, this uh, podcast is centered uh, a lot around new England. So we're going to ask you, do you have any uh, favorite or favorite um, races in new, in new England? Uh, a ton. Um, if you could like pick said, two, think, let's pick two. Okay. Two. Um, I'd have to say New Haven Grand Prix at the end of the year, just cause it's one of the coolest atmospheres, you know, drunk college kids <laughs> at a twilight crit nighttime crit, I guess, cheering for a sport that they have no idea what's going on. <laughs> there's a lot but of people. There's, yeah. There's like, you know, probably 10,000 people watching throughout their whole race. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they it just it makes it fun when you have a crowd like that, and you know it doesn't matter if they know what's going on or not or that kind of thing. And then honestly, one of my favorite races of all time is the Green Mountain Stage Race. Oh uh, yeah, oh, that's a good one. It's just it's like the most beautiful courses and the most beautiful part of Vermont, and it's always kind of like a 
awesome. It's it's a great time of year because you have <clears throat> all the road people are starting to kind of they don't really care all that much about they're all fit, but they're not like dying to get a result. Mm-hmm. And then you have all the cyclocross guys who are racing that to get fitness for the cyclocross season. So the racing is always hard as hell. And but it's safer and like there's no one doing stupid things like they were at Ninigrit this past week. Oh god. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> um because everyone's kind of chilled out like the cyclocross guys are just there for fitness and the rest of us are there to get another race in. Um so it's always been kind of a chill race and then chill in the fact no one does anything stupid. What were the stupid um, things you saw at Ninigrit? <laughs> just you know people not staying on the pavement. Like <laughs> There's the so much freaking pavement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not even, it's just like, you know, there's, there's a few people that I trust going and taking the grass and taking the grass on a straight stretch of Ninigrit while I see it's pointless. I could, you know, it's fine. But like the, the corners, like there's no corner in Ninigrit A where you have to hit brakes ever. <laughs> like it's a pretty like, well, it's meant for bike racing. So there's no sharp corners onto narrow roads. You can take the entire thing, no brake, full speed. And then you have people, and since there's no curbs, people think that there's no such thing as like the inside line. So there's always someone trying to get more to the inside line. And then when that's on the grass, on the grass in a corner, it just, it, there's just no reason to do it. Um, you're not going to win Ninigrit by taking the grass route into corner three, you know? <laughs> the next big thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it's just like as much as like I appreciate people racing aggressively. I mean, we all, no one wants to see, you know, what happened to Ben when he, you know, faced down and then neutralized the race. You know, a lot of like, I'm slightly different, but a lot of people have to get up and go to work on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't think anyone wants to, A, miss work. Well, maybe some people do want to miss work, but, you know, miss work because they're injured and that no one wants road rash or anything like that. You know, there's, there's like, in my mind, there's like a fine line. If it's the world championships, sure. Take some risks. If it's anything short of the world championships or like a tour de France stage, like we all just want to kind of get up the next day and be healthy. <laughs> yeah. It's not you know? worth the, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I totally get it. You know, when you, cause I've obviously I've crashed and broken my pelvis and done injuries too and you know when you're cross-eyed and something like that if you touch wheels or whatever that's you know a totally fair crash but if you're taking a grass route in a corner where there's plenty of pavement and you don't actually need to hit your brakes anywhere on the course that's kind of where my line's drawn and i'm gonna be like what are you doing here like it's march 31st at Ninigrit. at Ninigrit. <laughs> yeah yo Ninigrit world championships do you i know <laughs> At that point, do you say something? Do you, like, confront them about the, you know, possibility of not being the smartest idea? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if it's, especially if it's someone I know. If it's someone I don't know, I'm generally pretty, like, I, you know, I'll mention it to them. I'll be like, hey, you know, there's plenty of pavement here. Like, if you just pat me, I'll let you in or whatever. Mm-hmm. If it's someone, like, that I'm good friends with, then I'll definitely give them some shit about it. <laughs> you know, if it's, like, Sam or someone doing it then i'm gonna be like dude what are you doing right. like you just spent you know five months in spain training you really want to lose all that fitness <laughs> because you crash in integrate <laughs> oh my god so so you're gonna be the marked man this weekend it it seems like 
Do you have any people yeah. that you want to follow if you come out, you know, for a breakaway this weekend? Uh, I mean, kind of not like, I mean, I really don't, because right at this time of year, it's hard to know where anyone's form is because everyone is good for an hour. Like there's, right. you get off the couch and go ride your bike for an hour. And that's the only experience we have so far in New England is a one hour crit or not, I guess it's an hour and a half, but it was mm-hmm. pretty much two 45 minute crits um, with the neutralization. So I, I, it's hard for me to tell where anyone's form is. So I don't think I'm going to play off anyone's anyone particularly moving. If there's a big group that goes up the road and most teams are represented, then I'll think about it. But mainly like, I guess CCB would be CCB green line fellow. Um, Maybe the Velocio. I don't know how to say that. Velocio. Yeah, it looks like um, CRCA, what used to be Lupus, Jameson, they have a big contention. Alan Rigo, um, a couple of their other uh, faster guys. And then CCB, yeah, looks like they have the biggest team coming. Yeah, and you got to watch out for that kid, Brian Alba. Brian Alba is a fast kid. (laughs) He's been in the break every collegiate weekend. Look out for him. He's a. Yeah, I mean, and also, like, you know, Michael Landry, this course is pretty good for him. Um, but really, I'll probably, unless there's, you know, three CCB guys going up the road, I don't think I'm going to worry too much about anything until it gets to, like, the halfway mark. Because, you know, like I said, everyone's good for an hour. But in an 80-mile race, a lot of things can change. <laughs> right, yeah, that's a, that's a long race this early in the season for – uh for a, you know, a local. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked to hang out in the Gruppetto. <laughs> I don't think I don't think there'll be a group. I mean, it's, I think I, I, the way I think this race is going to go is it's not necessarily going to go off the front. It's going to just be people falling off the back. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's. I mean, it's like I said, the course. I don't think the course. Like from what I remembered from you know the first road race I ever did because it's the only time I've actually ever done this course. <laughs> there was nothing like I don't remember it being like a super hard climb or anything. People are freaking remember, out about the climb. Yeah, people people are saying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's Connecticut. It's not like you're climbing up Aft Gap, you know. It's, <laughs> That's true. I think I don't think around here there's anything more than maybe a five minute climb that actually climbs. Like rolling climbs don't count because you get breaks in between. Um, being on the pedals, yeah, it's slightly different, but you still get the, you know, when when a draft comes into play, it's not a climb, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. I think the only thing I do remember about the course is at the like what I want to say it's probably like the three quarters of the way into the lap. There's a super sharp right hand corner, and it's on like a downhill, and then you take a right onto like a main road, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I remember as a junior, I went into the corner pretty hot and uh, straight off the road on the oh. other side. So that's the only thing I really remember about the course being somewhat hard is that one corner. Mm-hmm. So you took but the Ninigret, Ninigret hot route on that corner. It was Yeah, I mean, it was more like the, you know, when you go into a corner and you're like, oh, I'm totally fine. And then you're like, oh, maybe, uh, maybe not so go much. straight here. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think, I think that's the only hard part of now that, I, you know, I remember that from 10 years down the road. I sound old when I say 10 years down the road. 
But um, yeah, you're only 24, I, I, right? 24. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, it's crazy to think I've been doing this sport for 10 years. Right. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's pretty uh, pretty crazy when you really think about it. So you grew up racing with Curtis White. How do you like? Yep. You have him back on the team this year. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean his nickname is C Dirty. C Dirty. <laughs> <laughs> and I I don't know why we started that. We started that when we were juniors on Steel Noonan. Um, I'm pretty sure it was one of my buddies Oliver Hiller that started that. He used to race a lot with us on Steel Noonan. Um. But Curtis is great. I mean, I love the kid. He, I mean, we've been friends and teammates for, you know, seven or eight years at this point on and off. So it's, it's fun to race with him. Cause you, it's kind of one of those things you have, like, you don't have to really speak. You kind of know what each other's going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you have that on a team, not only does it make it easier, but it just makes it more fun. Cause you kind of, have, it's again, you, you have the, confidence that if you attack and it doesn't work and you're coming back that you know someone else on your team is going to be ready to cover the next move or make the next move yeah is so he, is he um, coming out to Gila with you guys i believe so nice. um to be honest i'm awful at looking at many things that i get in emails <laughs> uh so i mean they sent us the whole spring roast pro- race program and i pretty much just looked my name on each of the lists and then stop paying attention um so i think he's doing gila and redlands um with us which will be a lot of fun and especially you know he's freaking fast now um you know he almost wins cx pro nationals yeah that was and he's crushing yeah Yeah, i mean i i remember in when he was on rally in 2006 or 15 or 16 mm-hmm. something like that the new haven grand prix he was like gearing up for cyclocross and you know it's the same time as green mountain at times so you know the road guys are starting to come down and form and cyclocross guys are going up and i just remember curtis rode me off his wheel like trying to go across to move and i was like jesus christ like the only times i've been really ever been ridden off a wheel was brandon mcnulty at crit nationals last year and he just cleaned like that kid's a freak. Yeah, that was I mean, insane. This, yeah, tell us about it. what was what was riding with him out there like. Oh, it was funny because I saw him go like early in the race, and I was like, "Are they just really going to let the kid that just won like TT Worlds as a junior up the road?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, sweet, I'm going to go across to this." And I like jump across, and it was way harder to get across than I thought it would be. So I get across, and I like get onto his wheel, and I take like two laps to recover. And I, I knew about him, but I'd never really raced with him because he like had broken his pelvis in Portugal mm-hmm. earlier that season. So he didn't really race that much until nationals. Um, but I knew he was still a freak because he had just won U23 time trial nationals too. So I go across to him and I was actually recovering when I was pulling because when I was on his wheel, I was like going flat out just to stay on his wheel. <laughs> Jesus. And then, you know, and then they started ringing the bell for five to go and he just had another gear and it was unreal. Like I, like I would try to pull up that hill every time because then I could take it at my speed. And he came through on me with like four, la- three or four laps to go. And I, like, I didn't even have a chance. I was just like, "What the hell is going on here?" Like the kid's a freak. Yeah, I mean, you won. I mean, he almost won the stage of Oman. Right. That was what I was getting to. Is that was an that insane was stage. 
any any other stage in any other bike race in the world, he would have won. But just because that one finished on a twenty percent climb, and you know he had been out there all day, he just didn't have the kick in the end, which no no one would. No. But any other finish of any other bike race in the World Tour teams would have screwed that one up. Because <laughs> um, you know, like I said, he's he's just one of the most talented. I think people, I would go out on a limb and say he's probably the most talented American in a very long time to ride a bike. And from what I've heard, he has a very good balance of everything. So he's not, you know, crazy bike racer mode all the time to be that good. He's a 20 year old dude who just happens to be incredibly talented at pedaling a bicycle, which is awesome to see because there's so many people that are so good when they're young and then they actually have to start training and they've already been training since they were 18, like 30 hour weeks. And then you can't get any better if you're doing 30 hour weeks when you're 18, like no one trains 40 hours. Like that's silly. That's like a real desk job. And then, uh, so people crack and burn out, but you know, from what I've heard and seen, I think he's going to be kind of the next big American thing. So how did how did you sort of keep your head straight when you were, you know, 19, 20, getting really into it uh, as a pro cyclist? I, so, like, I took I took bike riding. It was when I was in high school still. I didn't really take bike riding. Like, I took it seriously enough to where I was, like, riding my bike most days. But I was still playing soccer and hanging out with my friends and, you know, being a degenerate for the most part. Um, so, like, I was taking it probably when compared to now it was probably like, you know, 70% serious. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when I became like, or, you know, elite quote unquote, like 19 year old racing for, uh, the CCNS, like Aiden, Aiden's team, mm-hmm. he kind of buckled me down and I got a power meter for the first time and actually trained with heart rate and like actually trained, not just went out and rode my bike. And I thought that was kind of cool that you could make bike riding, pretty like straightforward. You're like, all right, go ride to this power for this long and do this and you'll be fast. So I think the fact that I didn't take it super seriously and like train hard until I was into U 23s made a big difference. And even then it was still the fun aspect of it, you know, and then racing on the team with Aiden, there was not that much pressure per se. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, it was one of the groups of guys that you race with where you're, you know, you're always attacking. It doesn't matter if it's mile one of a 110 mile road race, or if it's minute one of a 60 minute crit, one of us was always attacking. Mm-hmm. So it just made it a ton of fun. And then, um, <laughs> tag team and exactly. And then, you know, later that season, like a month before I signed with jelly belly for the first time, I crashed and broke my pelvis. I broke my pelvis twice. Oh, wow. Um, and I remember I called Danny because I had like, we'd verbally committed to this contract and I literally the next day crashed, broke my pelvis, terrified to pick up the phone, called Danny, who's the manager of Jelly Belly. I was like, hey, like I'm stoked to get the opportunity to ride with you. Oh, by the way, I just broke my pelvis. Um, type thing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and he's like, oh, you're young, you'll heal. Uh, and I was like, all right, sweet. 
So I did that and I had no idea what to expect. I had never, I'd done some junior national team trips, but I'd never really done real big bike races. So then, you know, <clears throat> went into the season and I, there's so many things that I wish I had done differently looking back to when I was quote unquote younger, like, you know, done all the extra things that you need to do to be a good bike rider. You know, the, not, I won't say diet cause I still don't really diet, but like <laughs> the core work and like the stretching and all those little things that you don't pay attention to. Cause that first year on jelly belly, I was just riding my bike and had put on probably 30 pounds when I broke my pelvis and just, you know, I didn't, I, I used it to the full advantage, but I was very green. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of what helped. And then I went to Cal giant and when I was 20 and you know, they, again, they believed in me and gave me the opportunity. And then I was you know third at time trial nationals as a 23. And that's kind of really when I, buckled down and like started doing all those extracurricular activities like core and stretching and actually sleeping and eating relatively correctly. And yeah, I mean, and then later that year, and then once you turn 21, you have to kind of try to reset. Once you can start drinking, (laughs) you're like, okay, wait a minute. Like I can have a few beers here and there. Um, and that's not really good for bike riding either. Mm. Um, Do you fit it in so still? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, every once in a while, that's the thing. Is like, I'm not. I've never been good at moderation on anything. So whether it's bike riding or drinking, there's like, there's no like. I don't just have like one beer, <laughs> so I have to like. So you know, like I haven't really had more than a beer. And since New Year's, um, and that's just kind of how I have to handle it because I, you know, because bike rate, we, on the national team, we had this saying that was full gas and no gas. So you was like, you're either going flat out and whatever (laughs) you're doing, or you're not doing it at all. And that's just kind of, I think that's a bike riding, a bike rider thing. Like there's no, you know, you're always competitive with everything. So whether it's crushing beers at happy hour or, crushing training there's no you're not going to go to happy hour and just have one beer when they half price beers you know you're going to get your money's worth yeah there's no use half-assing something you know exactly so so i have to take that mentality with everything i do which is taken a few years for me to kind of learn and that's kind of what i mean when i said i wish i was quote unquote wise or when i was you know 19 as opposed to what I am now. So it, it, it's been as much as, you know, bike racing, I think all in all teaches you. I don't think there's anyone who's racing bikes. who's not good at who can't like drop bike racing and go be great at something else. Just cause you have the discipline from riding a bike. You have, you know, the work ethic and everything, as long as you just, and it's the mindset cause bike racing is not or bike riding in general. I guess I, I always say it's like 90% mental. So if you take that mental aspect and you're like, all right, I'm going to go be a salesman and I'm going to go sell the hell out of these sunglasses. You're going to do well on that. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was funny. I was actually, so yesterday I, uh, you know, it was pretty shit weather, like, you know, 40 degrees and raining 
And uh, I I read something in a book the other day that was, even if you have your dream job, like 30% of the time it's going to suck. And I've, I read that several years ago. And I've kind of kept that mentality. And yesterday, I did not enjoy a single pedal stroke I took. Like, it was one of those rides where you're counting down the seconds until you can get off your bike. And uh, so this this day is that suck and everything you do. And yesterday was just, like, I almost quit bike racing or bike riding, like, 20 times in a, in a half-hour <laughs> ride yesterday. That's funny. It, it, it kind of goes to show how much, like, head cases we are i think we had i was riding with uh luke fortini uh i think like a couple months ago and he was like yeah i quit the sport on tuesday but on friday i was like oh i think i'm gonna race crit nats this year (laughs) yeah oh absolutely like it's not even like it can be on a much smaller scale than that too like in a five-hour ride the emotions you go through it's unreal you're like you get on your bike and you're like you know it's 10 o'clock in the morning or whatever and you're like oh man, like my legs feel like shit. And then like 20 minutes later, you're like, oh, I feel great. This is awesome. And then 20 minutes after that, you're like, man, why am I doing this? There's so many other things I could be doing. And then you're like, all right, I'm going to quit now. I'm going to pull over to the side of the road, get an Uber home and just leave my bike in the woods. (laughs) And then you're like, oh, this is great. And then you stop for coffee and you eat food and you're like, all right, I love this again. You know, and that's all in like one bike ride, let alone a week or a season. So I seem like a roller coaster. Yeah, bike racing is crazy. It's like it's like they're. I think it's the hardest sport no one gives a shit about. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's. Wow, that was yeah. Good. <laughs> so, it's fun. All right, cool. Um, we have to start wrapping up soon, but I guess we'll get to some Twitter questions. We don't have many because our we're still a <laughs> pretty small audience. But Dan Shabanov wants to know: um, Do you remember sprinting? him for the win at Brinkerhoff on April 7th, 2012. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do. I feel like that would have been a really shitty weather race from what I remember. Like, I'm pretty sure I, I'm pretty sure I remember that because I think that was the first race I ever won as like an elite. <clears throat> and I'm pretty sure that I was driving up to the race and it was snowing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of, I do remember that. And I, I just think I remember Dan because later that year when I signed with Jelly Belly, I think Dan messaged me and was like, now I don't feel bad about losing to you in a sprint <laughs> back in, back in the spring. Yeah. I mean, has there ever really been a good weather trooper? If I really think about it, they're always pretty like 40 degrees and windy and slight chance of rain. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think that's all spring in New England. Yeah. Um, second question from Christopher DeHaan. All these questions are pretty similar, but does do you remember when you were a junior and lapped the A-field solo at The Rent? That was embarrassing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I mean, I think I've lapped the field there several times. I think the record, <laughs> I lapped the field like three times in one race there. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> And I think that's, I mean, that's the year that I went on to get like third at nationals and stuff. So that was a good forum year. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, that's the staple. You got to do your local training races all the time. Like whether it's Wampatuck, Rensselaer Field, or Ninigret, right? Or and the ones up in New Hampshire that no one cares about. A lot of guys have uh, have done the lap the field at the rent. I know Johnny's done it a few times. Derek 
Chakotay has done it a few times. It's like a rite of passage. <laughs> it, it really is. I mean, it, it's great because it's a pretty short lap. You know, it's like a minute lap. So, and but the, you can't really get out of sight, which is around a parking lot. But once you uh, once you lap up once, you're kind of like, all right, I'm going to keep going and see what you can do here. <laughs> That's epic. Are you going to be around for the uh, Kermes that they have later in the year? I think it's in. Is it May? I think some around, or I think it might be beginning of June. May, I think May it's after beginning of June, yeah. yeah. I, so I'm gone. I leave next week, and then I'm gone until May 7th or 8th or something. And then there's potential to go to Ireland at the end of May for a race. So I'm if it's in the middle of May, then I'll be around. And if it's before both, then I should be around. I mean, I love that race. It's a cool course. If it's, I think the last time I did it, it had that one crazy turn in the backside and onto the bike path. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's still there. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I mean, I hope to be around. I loved that race. All right. Cool. Well, I think that's all the time we have. But thank you so much, Ben, for coming on to our humble little podcast. I think you're probably the most high-profile guest we've had. Yeah, yeah probably probably <laughs> the fastest bike racer. Well, definitely the fastest bike racer. Anyways, yeah. yeah. Thanks, Ben. It's been awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the video you guys put out today was pretty funny. Like, the editing, everything done super well. The music, I watched it right before I went and did motor pacing, and I laughed, and it was almost <laughs> late to motor pacing, so. <laughs> well, that it means everything. Good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. All right, cool. Sweet, well, so I'll uh, see you guys this weekend? Yes. Uh, yep. Yes, yes. I'll, I'll be in there somewhere. Right on. <laughs> cool. cool. All right. See Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, so there you have it. Um, our little interview with Ben Wolf. I hope you like it. Um, tweet us with uh, things to read to at Scrub, Scrub Zone. Zone. Cycling. Um, we should, is it Scrub? I think it's Scrub underscore Zone. Scrub underscore Zone. <laughs> uh, we should know that. Anyway. We're track. But yeah, thank you for listening to the Scrub Zone Cycling, Cycling Podcast. Zone.